It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season three. It's episode one. Cubs anthem singer John Vincent. Don't forget to listen, download, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, and don't forget to leave those five-star reviews in this segment Crawley interviews John Vincent, the anthem singer for your Chicago Cubs on his music career, his struggles to overcome adversity, and his relationship with the coach, Mike Ditka. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am happy to have on John Vincent. John, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, it, good to hear from you. Excited. Um, for people that may not be aware, I know you've seen John Vincent on the field at Wrigley Field, singing the anthem. John, tell me, at what age did you realize that singing was something that you truly was a passion of yours? 29? 29 years ago. No, at the age of 29. At the age of 29. So you spent from from your birth to 29, you weren't singing. What at age 29 turned on that light to get you singing? Oh, I got, I had a relationship and I got my heart broken, which looking back, uh, you're like, okay, it wasn't that broken, but you thought it was back then. <laughs> um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to become a singer. And uh, my day job, I was a recruiter in accounting and finance. And uh, I started, uh, it was January 2001. And uh, I just said, I want to be, try to become a singer. I started singing at a couple of different restaurants, Rosebuds on uh, Rush. No, no Pinos on uh, Northwest Highway in Edison Park. And then uh, they heard about me at Ditka's, and I, had, I auditioned for Mrs. Ditka. And I, it was my full-time job ever since. Uh, started August of 2001 until now. Wow. And so I have a picture up here. And, I, I you know, I've been to your different shows, your Valentine's show, your holiday show. And this is a picture of you with your dad singing. And I remember one time you did um, you did a duet with your dad, not live, but he was singing and you were singing to the tape of your dad singing. So it seems like singing was a very important part of your life. Yeah. Um, we've always done things uh, uh, like I, he would sing around the table with his brothers, uh, you know, grew up in a big Italian family on the south side of Chicago by Archard Cicero. We used to have Christmas Eve, and there'd be 50 of us in this bungalow on 61st and Monitor. And you would hear my uncles, one playing the accordion, my Uncle Sal, my dad singing, my Uncle Benny, you know, singing with him, my Uncle uh, Mario, trying, you know, trying to sing with him, uh, all of them trying to sing with my dad. And my dad had 
an incredible voice. He still does. He still has some, some power behind his voice. He's 88 now, and he's suffering with, you know, Louis Body, Parkinson's dementia. So we, we, we don't really sing anymore. We, we can't. Um, uh, but that's where the, the lo- I've always had the love of music. My, my favorite thing to uh, listen to is 80s, you know, hit anywhere from 80s hits in any genre. I grew up on that. And that was like, I think we all hit a certain part in our life, in our childhood, where music becomes extremely important and that's the music of our life look at people like what's your favorite music to listen to oh i love it all john and that's why i love you but yeah i I get what you're saying like for me growing up in the 90s as a teenager that was a you know big deal that's right there you go that's when you like like coach ditka he loves 50s he loves his 50s like he'll i will get in there listen to sirius xm and he's throwing on 50s music and i realized that's when he that's when he was you know, a young teenager, a teenager growing up. And that was, that hits us at a certain time in our life, music. And music is so important. And my father, you know, I never thought about being in music. My father should have been uh, a singer. He would have been a really, really uh, uh, successful opera singer. Very successful opera singer. Good looking, everything. Uh, better voice than I have. Uh, I can sing way higher and, and better timber than I have. And, uh, but he was just, you know, born during World War II and had to go to work only went to third grade. So his life had to take a different turn. Now, you mentioned Coach Ditka. I got a picture of you with you and the coach Mylan here. And there's a special relationship between you two. When do you remember ever you auditioned for Mrs. Ditka? But when was the first time you remember singing for the coach? And how nervous were you on that one? Extremely nervous. It was a Thursday night at Ditka's. I was using CDs back then when I first started singing there. I'd have all my karaoke tracks. Uh, pocket songs was the things I used back then. And I'd have a stack of different karaoke tracks of Frank Sinatra and everything. And, and uh, I was setting it up to sing. And there's Steve McMichael, Misty McMichael, Mrs. Ditka. And I'm already nervous as all heck. And uh, um, right after Coach, he's... he's uh, it was a preseason football game, so he was announcing a preseason Bears game on Channel 5, if I'm not mistaken, in 2001. And he's coming up the stairs, and now I'm singing for Mike Ditka. And it's Mike Ditka, Steve, Misty, and, and Mrs. D, and just a few other people. But my eyes are just on that table because I was just so intimidated to sing for them. But uh, it turned out, obviously, to be phenomenal uh, because I got to meet two of the greatest people in my life, Coach and Mrs. Ditka. They seriously have become second parents. I talk to Mrs. Ditka every day, still today, more now, talk to her more now than ever. Um, life, you know, takes us on amazing journeys, and she's an incredible woman, and she gave me my start. Coach uh, always stood by me through good times and bad times. He was always there. Um, at the end, you know, you can't find many people in your life that you can trust all the time. And uh, Coach Ditka was somebody I've trust, trusted all the time. And it's been 22 years. and It's never changed. It never will change. And it, that's how it will always be. Um, and that's what I think a lot of times in the world from old to young to whatever is we forget how there are people out there who are so in tune with what's important so in tune with what what can make somebody happy what's gonna what's gonna you know what's what's in the best interest for them when coach had to be hard on me he was hard on me he was like a football game 
You know, there were times when I was drinking and not giving a crap when I was singing. I'm five years sober. But there was a there was a, a time when I was drinking alcohol and I never thought I had a problem. Got it in it, but I would drink, you know, I would binge drink two, three times a week. And I was in the perfect job for it, you know, singing. And uh, it was the nightlife. It was fun. And don't get me wrong. It was a blast. And I had a wonderful time and everything. But I'm not a person that knows, um, you know, limits. Like I, if I'm eating, I want to eat a ton. If I'm drinking, I want to drink a ton. I'm just have an addictive personality with certain things. And, you know, food was the biggest one for me. You know, gambling's another one. I love going to the casino. That was a big one for me. It's still a fighting. But I think people need to be more open. And the one thing I could do with coach is I was an open person, but coach really taught me how to be really open and Mrs. Ditka because they're so, so open with their words, direct. It's so refreshing. Everything you think of Mike Ditka as the honest, straightforward guy that he is, is true. Everything you think about Mike Ditka when people say, oh, coach uh, is crabby or he's tough or this, people don't understand how generous and how kind Mike Ditka and Mrs. Ditka are. Like, I've seen so many people come into the restaurant when I worked there back in the day, and that was my home, you know, and the one thing I wish I would, I wish I would have stayed with Coach and Mrs. Ditka. Working for them was the best time of my life. I wouldn't have been with the Cubs if it wasn't for Coach. You know, they let's, talk let's, about let's, yeah, let, let's look at that because how did you go from working at Ditka's to singing the anthem at Wrigley Field? Ron Coomer, Joe Girardi, and, and, and Larry Rothschild. Do you remember those? You know those three names, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely know those three guys. <laughs> and I met all of them through Larry Rothschild. Larry Rothschild comes into the Ditka's. Then he went out to pitch with the Yankees and then the, the, the Padres. He got me tickets to every game uh, in 2003 during the series, um, everything, you know, I was at every game. It was amazing. It was so much fun. And they would come into Ditka's. And one night, Larry Rothschild comes in with Ron Coomer, who was playing third, and um, Girardi, who was catching. And I walk up to Coomer, and I go, and Ronnie will tell you this story. It's hilarious. I'm like, man, coach goes, you know, this is, and before he says anything, I go, I know who this is. I I know him. I know I, I know you know his grandparents. I grew up with them. And Coomer's like, he'll tell you the story. He's like, who the heck is this guy? Like, but what? Like, what's he talking about? So I'm sitting there. I'm talking like my big mouth. I usually do. And I said, man, I I know your grandparents, man. Your grandmother makes the best upside down pineapple cake in the world. And he just like turns around and goes, you do know my grandmother. Well, I used to cut Ron Coomer's grandparents grass when i was a kid they grew up next to my aunt and uncle and in the house on the other side was uh, lou and leonard coomer ron coomer's grandparents so i would cut their grass hang out with his grandfather and his grandmother they were awesome i was like a 12 year old 13 year old kid 2003 you know i'm doing a couple anthems here and there maybe one or two a year then a gentleman by the name of uh, mr ricketts tom ricketts ricketts family and all of them laura they buy the cubs and he just really brought me in, man, and I just felt such a difference. I mean, you remember Wrigley. You know, we I used to park up right to the front door and go sing the anthem because it was just a parking lot. I mean, I'm <laughs> very, very biased. I'm not going to lie, but don't tell me. Don't tell me there is a better experience. I've been to many baseball fields. I've been to many football fields. 
and we got to be honest, like Green Bay, Lambeau, that's sacred. and It's a crazy, unbelievable atmosphere up there. If you don't say the same thing about Wrigley, like, you're just lying. It, it is, again, is it not the best? We're for fans, but let's take our fandom out of it. Let's just look at it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Where is there another place like a Wrigley Field? Like the things they've done, the way they made Wrigley Field, the way they made Gallagher Way. I, I mean, tell me, give me another one where you can combine the old with the new so perfectly. People were worried about the Jumbotrons. Look how great those look. People are worried about everything turned out perfectly at that stadium. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And so you everything, get to- everything. And that's Mr. Kenny and Mr. And Mr. Ricketts. Those two guys, when they brought me in more and more, obviously I have a friendship with Joe Madden and we're still very close. Mr. Kenny and Mr. Ricketts brought me in and they made me feel, and Mr. Ricketts said to me, he goes, Johnny, you're part of the Cubs family. <laughs> you know, here I am at my age. You know, he said that to me. I'm like a little kid inside. I'm like, shit, the owner of the Cubs just said, you're, you know, you're part of the family, Johnny. And I never thought I would have a World Series ring. I never thought we'd go to the World Series and win it. I never thought we'd have four uh, NLCS experiences. Am I right? Four, three or four at that time. And, you know, when I hear people complaining, I'm like, okay, I was there in 2003. I was there in 1989. I was there in 84. I wasn't there, you know, in 69. But I felt the pain. You know how lucky we are? It was 108 years. That ring is the most special ring there is in all of sports, in my opinion, because of the 108 years. They even, look how many shows mentioned after we won the World Series. Cubs winning the World Series. Cubs, all like sitcoms, movies, shows, it's all in there. And and to bring bring it after 108 years, it, it was just like the magic happened all at once, man. Well, I got to ask you, the first time you sing the national anthem, uh, obviously your the signature move is the, the free, how long you hold the free out. And and for Cub fans, sometimes we even get the stopwatch out to see how, how you know what's what's Johnny going to do? How many seconds? How did that get started? Started when, when I went to uh, uh, well, long story, and I can't make it really short, but I'll try to. But I talk so damn much. Long story is, uh, um, you know, my dad took me to Italy when I was a kid, 1985. He brought me there, and there's an article about it in Sports Illustrated called Free Verse, and it talks about me holding free. And, you know, if you, you want me to be really, really honest, um, it's much, much easier for me to hold free for a couple seconds and walk off the field. And as I get older, that's probably more preferred for me. Um, but the reason I started holding free and big Jim Wojkowicz, um, who I love, who is just an amazing guy and become an amazing friend, um, Joe Rios and all them guys and everybody I met there, and all those guys, you know, they're like Johnny people do get excited from it. And I got a lot of hate for it, for it for also. Like I've had people run up to me in the tunnel and say, you know, John, I like your voice, but why would you hold it and disrespect the anthem that much? And it's not happened that much in the past years. It really happened during the World Series and after. There was great press and there was a lot of ugly press. But I tell people the same thing. I hold free for one reason, one reason only, 
My father, when he took me to 85, 1985, took me to Italy. He said, right here in this spot, a Nazi soldier put a gun to your grandmother's head and almost killed her in front of me. And I said, what? He goes, in, 19, in, in, in whatever it was, the year was 43 or 42. The Nazis took over uh, Abruzzo, Italy. You know, it, it wasn't uh, Italy and, and Germany as, as being on the same side, which I thought growing up, learning that, you know, the Axis power was Italy, Germany, this and that. My father goes, are you shitting me? He goes, he goes, we were treated like dogs. The German soldiers, the Nazis kicked us, beat us. Um, terrible, terrible things. I don't want to get too, too deep on the top podcast. Um, took over my, my father's uh, home where he lived as a kid, the row house at the corner because it was a strategic spot. So they lived in a, literally lived in a barn for a year and a half. No joke, barn. They lived in a freaking barn for a year and a half. And my dad was extremely poor. He dropped out of school in the third grade, was the head of the family, the oldest son. So he was going in the mountains, getting firewood, getting stuff to take care of the family, all that stuff. Hardly any food. My grandmother is walking with him in the piazza, the town square. And she goes, Vincenzo, I print the quilt tarpa, so the latanka. Go get that tarp underneath that, that Nazi tank. We'll make uh, pants for you kids. We'll cover the firewood. We'll do all this stuff with it. So my dad's about six or seven seven because he's born at 35 if it's 42 and he walks out of there with this 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 tarp and um my my father turns around and the soldier goes has a gun to my grandmother's temple goes you can have this you can have the tarp and she dies or you can put it back and she lives and i go as a kid i go dad what you do what do you think i did your grandmother's still alive and this was back in 85 when i'm in italy i'm like what do you think happened he goes i put it back and i'm like it seems so surreal to me and as I got older, my Uncle Mario, who served in Vietnam, you know, the things he went through and the stuff he told me and my other friends, I hold free for freedom for humanity. I think I sound like shit when I hold free. I don't, a lot of times it doesn't, it doesn't come out uh, on the right key. There is a little bit of a little too much vibrato when my ear is going and stuff like that. It could be a little off, but I hold it passionately because I remember the story my father told me. I want freedom for humanity, for every human being on this planet. Not, not, not bullcrap freedom, not, not fake freedom, but freedom for everyone, every single person, everyone, for you, for me, for, for our friends, for our enemies, for our whatever. And once you look at that, life changes. Right. I, I've seen you, you know, use your, you know, your spot to, to really kind of lift other people up. I know you've gone to schools and have done an anti-bullying initiative. And then I remember in 2020, we're all locked down and nobody had it worse than the elderly in, 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 in the old folks homes. And, and you would sit there and, and safely at a distance, you would sing from outside a lot of the old Sinatra and Dean Martin standards for him. And it was such a beautiful thing. You know, I've seen you giving back with the anti-bully initiatives and helping the elderly. It, it just is a beautiful thing. Well, thanks, brother. And, and you know what? That wasn't that wasn't my idea. I didn't want to do that. That was the Chicago police that asked me. And it was uh, Commander Papanianu, uh, you know, at Wrigley there. Uh, he was the commander there. Now he's he's uh, he moved up in rank with the Chicago police. He's just an amazing human. And he's like, hey, John, you know, these these seniors are, are you know, we're getting messages from the senior centers and nursing homes that they're just like, we don't want to live anymore. We're in an eight by 10 room. And we can't see anybody any anybody can't see us this you know this is horrible like why are we even surviving and he reaches out to me and i'm, and I'm just very honestly i go you know sir i go 
man, I got terrible OCD. I go, I got terrible OCD, and I uh, I don't know if I could go out there with this COVID thing. It scares me. And um, he goes, Johnny, I totally understand. He goes, please, don't don't worry about it. And I'm sitting there on the phone talking to him. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, sir, why do you do what you're, you do? He goes, I have to, Johnny. And I'm like, no, you don't, man. And I'm like, why do you do what you do? He goes, I have to. And that's all he could give me was the answer, I have to. And then I'm like, well, I have to, too. So you want to talk about a safe distance. I was so OCD scared in that first month, month and a half of of, uh, COVID. They had the street blocked off. They had my wife would come out there with with uh, and my wife's, you know, she's five foot three, 120 pounds. But, you know, she's tougher than anybody. (laughs) You know, (laughs) she's she's like she's out there. She's like, you're fine. Come on. And she wiped down the mic and clean everything and make sure it's blocked off. But then after about a month of doing it. There were people on the streets and now we're hugging people and everything and, 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 and people were coming up to us and it was, you couldn't fight the, the emotion that it was just having. And everybody was like, oh shit, man, this feels so good to just see people smiling. And it felt good the one time when there was this old man, when I was singing, he gave me the finger out the window and I just started laughing my ass off. I'm like, this guy doesn't care about anything. He's just saying, get, he probably wanted me to shut up. And I just started laughing. It was, I remember it was on Halstead. It was on Halstead and it was the, 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 man, the nursing home just north of Addison. And I remember I'm looking, all these people are waving to this one man's giving me the finger. And I just go, I love this guy for some reason. He just, he's probably just saying F it. And I'm just laughing my ass off while I'm singing. It brought so much joy to so many different people. And even people in the group that were doing it, they, they were like, God, that was so much fun. And it just shows us like, you don't get PTSD from good stuff. You get PTSD no. from bad stuff in life. You get PTSD from pain from suffering we learn everything uh, from our childhood you know so many people say john you talk so much you're so damn intense all the time and this and that well you know when i was younger and i would drink and i would laugh and i still do laugh don't get me wrong i do and I, I'm, I'm not telling people to go through life totally serious but i would question why do i get so intense why do i think so deeply well first of all i have puro it's a form of ocd you give me a sentence and you say something to me, I'll have a hundred different scenarios in about five seconds. I hate it. I hate it. But my brain works that fast. And you sit there and you're like, shut up, shut up, because it just keeps going. It doesn't stop. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. But in other ways, you learn. It's like, holy shit, this is a superpower. You get Sinatra's phrasing down because you know exactly where Sinatra would breathe and certain songs from Fly Me to the Moon or everything. You knew when that voice would come in there because your OCD heard it and you would listen to it. 